Hey, welcome to Go and Be the Church podcast, where we talk about what Scripture says the church should look like, how we are care for the broken, lift up the lost, and lose our lives for the gospel. We know this will change your life and leadership, relationships, and purpose, which is impacted by how we go and be the church. Well, welcome to Go and Be the Church podcast. We're glad you could join us for another episode where we talk about what it means to care for the broken, lift up the lost, and lose our lives for the gospel. The subject for today is how do you get out of a pattern of sin? How do you get out of a pattern of sin? Or as one friend put to me one time, how do you get back into spiritual shape if you're falling away from God? You know, these two questions kind of intermingle. They have certain things about them that we should look to. But, you know, we want to look towards Scripture first about, you know, there's two competing kingdoms in our life. There's two competing kingdoms in our heart, usually the heart of self and the heart of God. You know, God wants something for your life. And many times we who want our own throne, we who want our own kingdom, we who want our go our own way, we want something else. There's a passage in the book of Matthew, Matthew 6, 19-34. And we're going to try to make sense out of this question about how do you get out of pattern of sin in light of this passage in Matthew 6. Just so you know, i got my co-host joining with me today, Mark Douglas. Mark Douglas, say hi again. Hello, everyone. Good to be here with you today. That is the Mark Douglas. He is striking in hot again with our podcast. He has many things to say. We hope that they're valuable to you or see in the future. We also have Adam Basquette. Adam Basquette, say hey. Hi, everyone. He says he's not going to say much, but we're going to get him to say a lot. I mean, maybe two or three sentences. We'll find out. I also have uh, Lady Basquet over here in the corner. She's giving me the eye as I announced her name. We love her. She's got something to offer at any given time, two spiritual questions. She might give three or four sentences just to beat Adam, her husband. So that's how we play it around here. Let's talk about Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. So here's what it says. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let's just kind of break down that beginning part. That is us going through verses 19 through 21. Because by the time you get to verse 33, there's an important part of this passage. But I want to talk with Pastor Mark over here. You know, I'm convinced that this passage, it's unpacking some some thoughts about us. It's unpacking desires that we have. And I would say that comes from sometimes our actions come out of the kingdom of self. And, you know, there's a part in here, and we're going to get to it, but I'll just go ahead and reveal it, verse 33 where it says Jesus, I mean, Jesus is speaking this, and he says in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God. You know, that word that Jesus intercedes with, he intervenes with, but it tells us this verse, there's there's a transition point going on here, because everything before it, even this this stuff we're talking about here, it is 
us operating out of a different kingdom, us operating out of the kingdom of self. And I believe that the kingdom of self is really um, how we stay in a pattern of sin. But if we seek first the kingdom of God, we can get out of patterns of sin in our life. And you can give some practical things with that. You can also just kind of elaborate on what you look at. You know, what does it mean to lay up treasures in heaven? What does it mean to be a people that are looking to give everything to God? So, Josh, what a great subject we're talking about today because uh, we're talking about treasures. And so when you think about this word treasure and treasures and laying those treasures up, in heaven, one of the things you, you've got to quickly think about is, you know, what's valuable to you? But what's treasure to one person may not be treasure to another. And I think that's the focus of what God is saying. He's trying to get the church on target for understanding what should be our treasure, what should be, what, what is it that we want to lay up? So yeah, let's speak. get in spiritual shape. Yeah, exactly, like? exactly. And so if the church is sitting out here in, in the in the sanctuary every Sunday morning, listening to the sermon, but everybody's got a different idea of what that treasure is that you're laying up, that you're storing. What what is it that's important that you do? Then the church is going to be chaotic, and it's going to it's going to miss the opportunities that God puts out there for us. Now, I'm sitting in this room right now. I just can't help but to think. <clears throat> Here I am, 64 years old, and you're 36, 35, 35. You, you were there at my birth. Yeah, I was. I should have remembered that. Right. right? Okay. Well, and, that's. Uh, meaningful, and meaningful. Adam and Laney here are brand new newlyweds, married last September, and they're like uh, in their twenties, in their early twenties, and, and so our perspective on treasure is is different. Yeah, tell us about your gold coins. Yeah, I don't have very many. Okay, so, but but our our idea on treasure is very different between 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 us here. I always but, tell you silver and gold. I have none, but what I do have, I freely give, which is usually cheeseburgers or something from McDonald's. Exactly, dollar exactly. menu. So you, you may not have as many silver and gold coins to give away yeah. as someone who's a little older, right? Right, but they will rust. But the one thing that all of us in this room are equal on is what we have from God. So those are the treasures that we all possess equally that we can that we can begin to lay up. And so when we start about begin to think about investing in treasure, it's not so much the money we put in the bank or the clothes that we wear, or the cars that we buy, or, or the things that we collect thinking, oh, they'll be valuable one day. But... It's, it's that lost soul out there that we go and rescue. And that's laying a treasure up in heaven. It's that, it's that mom and dad who are struggling with their children. It's that husband and wife who's struggling with their marriage. It's the church being the church and going in to, to these, these places and taking the good news, the gospel of Jesus, and helping to rescue these folks. And, and when we get there and we begin to rescue people in the name of Jesus, then what happens is that we begin to lay up what's real real treasure. And and there's no one that has more or less of that ability or availability of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to take it to a lost and dying world. And I think that's where the church sometimes might misstep. I think that's a big deal, what you're saying, with even into a place where patterns of sin become less and less because— God has put in us to be value-oriented. He's put us to be purpose-oriented. I think one of the things that you're showing right now is that, hey, a, a God-envisioned mind and heart is saying, God, you, you give me the capacity. You designed me to actually worship you. And 
I think every person who does not worship the living God, you know, it's been said before, G.K. Chesterton talked about how every person has a God-sized hole in their heart. You know, all the things in this world, you know, the sin that we go towards, the patterns that we develop because we want something or we think that will ultimately give us what we need. That's the treasure that will meet all the things that we thought were good. It doesn't seem to fulfill. And I was just thinking with Adam, you know, Adam, Basquiat, you all know this, but he was a military guy. He spent some time. Uh, what branch were you in? The Navy. The Navy. So here's kind of what I was thinking just with <clears throat> the people that you were around, they were disciplined. The people you were around, some of them, the, the things they would gravitate towards. Can you kind of talk about the training that went to, like how serious did they take some of the training that these guys in the military went through? So the training is very serious. I mean, just in boot camp, it's down to when you eat, when you sleep, when you have to get up. I mean, and not only because of what you're training for, but ultimately you're training to protect America. So that's obviously taken seriously. It's not something lightly, you know. And if you don't train, you not only put, you know, potentially American citizens in danger from other countries and people, but you put everybody else in danger that you're around. So it's very serious. So what are some things that they would have to say, I got to put off? And some of the things they would say, I have to put on for training? Like, what do they have to give up? So, I mean, just, just in the military, when you really don't have a, a personal life outside of it, you know, people miss birthdays, weddings that they were invited to, and, and just tons of things in, in a personal life that others would would have to be at you have to miss them because you might have a mandatory training or or mandatory place you have to be in, and you don't have a choice when you're in the military and you have to be there there's so some things must become prioritized right absolutely yeah i mean you have to write you know everything i mean down to your diet what you're doing i mean and not only when you're when you go to these trainings say you go to a training and you have to run five miles of this training well, you're expected to do that five miles. So, and you a little free time you do have, you have to be training for your training, if that makes sense. Kind of interesting, Adam. You'll like this story. When I was uh, young and a pastor, and uh, I was I was pastoring a church near Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, and <clears throat> had a congregation of young Marines and and uh, Navy guys and. I was doing a wedding one evening for a Navy SEAL and everyone in his wedding party on his side of the wedding party, they were Navy SEALs and right in the middle of the wedding service, all of their beepers went off. That was before cell phones guys. And so all of their beepers went off and they all pulled those beepers out, looked at them and said, we've got to go. And we literally stopped a wedding mid midway through for them to leave and head out. I never knew where they went. I never knew what the call was, but I knew the sacrifice that they were making because I saw it on that young bride who didn't get to become a bride that day. We put it off and she later, they later were married. But I've often thought of that. And could you imagine the church, Josh, getting to this place that Adam just described to the point that we put off 
those things that sometimes we think are so important, and they are, don't misunderstand me, a wedding, a birthday with family, these are important events, but that we could get to the point where we'd say, no matter what, it's Jesus first. Yeah, that's heavy. I mean, when you think about the fact that any person, what they do and what they say, they're basically giving a vision for the pattern of life that they want. I mean, they're talking about the very thing that we're talking about right now, what they treasure. So in, in the military, they're going after something they caught a vision for, that they seen a cause for. And I would contend that the greatest cause, the, the greatest thing a vision is to, one, spend all your days going after the living God who has placed the, the greatest treasure. You know, he talks about there's a treasure, the gospel. You know, there's a parable in the scriptures where there's a man who finds treasure that is buried in a land that he does not own. And it says he goes and sells everything because that treasure is worth far more than any price you have to pay for the land, anything you have to give up, anything you have to say, um, the trade-off made complete sense. And I love what you're talking about, how these guys even have to train about training. And it's as if they've already decided before they have to decide, this is what I'm going towards. And I'll say one of the biggest things for stopping a pattern of sin is really looking towards deciding before you have to decide when you reach that place of sin, saying, no, I choose the greater portion. I choose the better treasure. And when you think about what you're talking about with those who were those Navy SEALs, it's the most important day of his life. Basically, he's about to get married. His whole life is changing. But the one thing that prioritized over everything in his life that even the people in his life knew this is the direction this person takes was him being a Navy SEAL. And you're right. Imagine the church was like that. The one thing we prioritized, and everybody around us even knows, hey, this is the route this person goes. This is the heartbeat <clears throat> of this person. And we look at this side of eternity, and this is from Paul Tripp. He says, Here's what happens to all of us. This side of eternity, there are things that begin to rise in importance beyond their true importance. And they set the agenda for our thoughts, our desires, our choices, our words, our actions. But what if the true thing that was meant to be laid up as treasures in our heart was actually laid up? Then guess what? We begin to win the battle. Because we lose the battle when we go after other treasures, false treasures. And here's what I'll say. False treasures are false gods, and they do not last, and they will not keep their promises. So here's just kind of something we have to determine. You know, you and I as pastors, you and I as someone that is saying, hey, I'm giving my all to watching the kingdom of God grow. You know, what does it look like even within our Christian circles for us to say, you know, what's going to be important in our lives? Because I think that's where the fight begins, is that you're making a declaration of war against the flesh. And you're saying, here's what's going to be important in my life. I had the opportunity this week, Josh, to share the gospel with a young man who prayed and asked Jesus to come into his life and be his Lord and Savior. <clears throat> Pretty incredible moment when you get to share in that and be a part of something like that. 
he shared with me afterwards uh, and just kind of set the set the uh, situation for you we had just finished a bible study on wednesday night here at the church and we were getting ready to leave and he looked at me and he said i'd like to talk to you sometime about jesus and i almost left with the words well let's do that real soon or let's get together and do that <clears throat> but as i as those words were almost coming out of my mouth my thoughts were what if there's not another day well there's not another time this is this is this is the most important matter under the gospel a lost person coming to know Christ and so I looked at him and said let's do it right now and so we literally sat down in that Bible study room everyone else had kind of started to leave I think you were still there and he and I sat down at the table <clears throat> began to talk and he soon had prayed and asked Jesus Christ into his life. Now, he was here today in church, and he came into the church and uh, um, shared with us how excited he was about what God had done in his life. And I'm so glad I didn't put that off. But I think that's where the church has to be. We have to, we have to realize that if something is so important to us that we call it our treasure, but not only our treasure, but how about this? How about our number one treasure? Because there's a lot of treasures in our lives. There's a lot of things that we treasure. There's a lot of things that are important to us. But I think Jesus is asking for more than just lay up treasures in heaven. But he's saying lay up the most important things in heaven, the number one things in heaven. And so imagine if we as Christians begin to prioritize the treasures we want to lay up in heaven, and we prioritize those differently than Jesus does. And so if we begin to prioritize, for instance, we begin to say, well, you know what's most important is for me to go to church every Sunday morning. Yes, that's important. It's important to go to church. It's important to gather with believers. It's important to worship. But is, is that above going to the, to, to the highways and byways and in seeking those who are lost and compelling them to come into the house of God. What is, what is, when we get to heaven, do you think Jesus will look at us and say, oh, you know what? You came to church every Sunday, never missed one. Is that really the treasure he's looking for us to lay up in heaven? Now, now, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that we shouldn't go to church at all. That's not my point. My point is search the scriptures and find out what is most important. Search the scriptures and find out how Jesus prioritizes those things that we call treasures that, that, that we have the same heartbeat that Christ has. Right, so Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the heart, I mean, if you look at all of us and our, the heart work we have to do to stop patterns of sin, to start patterns of living for God, is exactly the trek that you're on and here's what we would do and act out is Jesus is saying something profound Jesus is saying something about our personhood and he's suggesting that there's a war going on for our treasure the treasure that we would say is being fought at the center of what makes you think the way you think desire what you desire and do what you do you know we got uh, Lainey Basquette here in the room and there is a kids ministry that she's over 
the one thing I love about kids' ministry is just the heart behind it. Here you have some of the most moldable minds and hearts in the church. And so daily we're teaching them from, you know, just gathering with us, fellowshipping. We're, we're being examples and trying to be examples of, one, not only what it looks like to be people who are trying to follow after God, but even when we mess up, what it looks like to say, God, I need your forgiveness. God, I want to live for you. We're constantly showing that we can't live up to things, but the one who is our true treasure can live up to things. But something that I think is very much needed in a church is, you know, children's church, uh, youth, all these kind of different silos we sometimes put in the church, you know, they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. It, it really is. They're the body of Christ. And so some of the deepest heart desires that shape everyday words and actions come from just how kids view God. And I can tell you, uh, my son Titus, he's five years old. Lainey gets the privilege of uh, having young Titus in her class. Uh, he can be loud. He can be wild. But I know one thing. He comes home with different things he's colored in that class that have a point for, towards a story. Because Laney's using active learning, active things to get them to think about stories of Jesus, to get them to think about ways that God actually can use them, how God has worked already in the world. She's giving them, little by little, a vision for what God's design is for their life. And so, Laney, I'll just ask you something. You know, you can just say a few things about this. What has been some, you know, statements or things that the kids are even learning that probably would help them to see that Jesus should be the treasure and would make them show them that um, the things that they go towards like sin, you know, that's when we choose our own way in childlike terms, sin is, but some of the things that you're seeing with them that they're saying, hey, I want to I wanna choose God's way. What do you think has been some of the biggest thing to show them, hey, God's designed you, uh, God want, wants you to worship him, here's activities we do, here's things that you're just planning early in their heart for why patterns of sin can be disastrous, but patterns that you're developing right now by just daily putting this in their life is making them stronger in their walk with God. Um, well, I know that they all seem to um, understand what the word kind means. And that's one of the things that I think we hone in on a lot in a, quite a few different lessons is just to talk about being kind to each other. And by being kind to each other, we're sharing the love of Jesus. And that's putting it in terms that they can understand and putting it in ways that they can actually go out and share that with others. They can share the love of Jesus by being kind with others that they and talking about also on the other hand of what not being kind means and how that is a sin. And you, you know, we've been called to be kind to others and do different crafts and activities where they get to help each other out and they get to build each other up. And it's exciting to see them them realize how being nice to each other is so encouraging and the things that they can do together when they work together. So their kindness 
in light of showing allegiance to Jesus. Like their kindness isn't just for the sake of being kind. It's kindness to show I follow the heart of God. Yeah. That's what's shaping me. And so every action, every response, reaction they have, all those things are saying, hey, remember how God's made you? And that the way that you are kind to others is showing that the God who has been kind to us and coming to us when we didn't deserve it, when we should have been left out, left alone, pushed off to the side, God says, no, I'm coming to you. So I think that's huge because we're giving a gospel vision for what it means to, you know, fight the good fight, run the race, keep the faith at a very young age. You know, these are some of the deep desires you're forming in children. I wish that, you know, as adults grow, they get to a place where all these other things function as treasures in their life. You know, we become easily attached to other things outside the kingdom of God. I think that's what I love about children is that it, when I look at us trying to minister to those who um, have special needs or us trying to minister to the, to the kid that, um, you know, maybe has uh, type 1 diabetes and nobody understands it, or the person who has um, cerebral palsy, they were walk through this door, we have this wheelchair ramp, that we're trying to say, hey, functionally, there are things that we care about more than all this. We care about you and your heart because God cares about you and your heart. And so there's a lot of other treasures that we get attached to in this life, but by us saying, no, the greater treasure is God, we're actually saying we want to be detached from those things and attached to things God wants. And so what is something that you can say about the kingdom of self versus the kingdom of God for kids ministry? Like how do you see them, the innocence maybe, or just the funny things that happen that maybe as adults we should gravitate more towards more often? I think that they have a tendency to show kindness in a way that adults don't. They're, they have like this mindless like need to just be there for each other. And especially some of the siblings that I have in the class, and it's just they want to help in any way that they can. And I don't feel like we always see that in adults. I think that adults overthink things. It's where we don't just do. And I think that's where their hearts are so pure because they're so young that they just do. And it's a kind act and they don't overthink it or think about repercussions. They just get to be nice to each other and help each other and share that love with God. Yeah, I really feel like our kids' ministry and just watching children as they're learning about the love of God, that they actually, in a very real way, they begin to feel and know the joy of God. And because of that, they're actually showing, hey, I want my treasure to be the joy of the Lord. Mm. And I wish I had that more in life. I wish I wasn't so attached to things that when they're taken away or they don't go well, I, in all things, it's like, hey, um, I'd rather have the kindness. I'd rather have the joy, the peace, the goodness, all that. So as we kind of wrapping up today, I want to just have a couple things that we talk about practically. You know, maybe one or two practical things to take to say, hey, instead of running towards my pattern of sin, how do I run towards the heart of God today? How can I run towards the heart of God today? Pastor Mark, would you have anything for us on just a practical way you can run towards the heart of God today and lay up treasures in heaven. Well, absolutely. <clears throat> I think we need to um, just look at the gifts that God has given us and use those gifts. Are, are you just 
you know, some people, for instance, have this outgoing personality. Then be outgoing for God. Some people have this ability to organize. Then organize for God. Walk through this life saying, God has made me good at this, and I'm going to do it for God. And then ask him, show me, provide me those opportunities. Uh, I remember the movie Chariots of Fire. It's a long time ago movie. But one of the guys in it said, when I run, I run fast, and God made me fast, and I run for his glory. And, and I think about that, that, that here's some guy out there on the track who, was, who he said, God made me fast, and I run for his glory. And he said he felt the glory of God when he ran. Well, you know what? If God, if God made you good at something, then do it for the glory of God and lay up treasure in heaven because, you know, people are looking for someone who knows what their foundation is in life. So many people are scattered. They're, 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 they, they, don't, they lack direction. And it's probably just that simple of saying, I live my life for God. Yeah, that should be the declaration of all of our hearts. Does anybody have anything else to add before we close today with our Go and Be the Church podcast? I will just like to say this one thing. You know, maybe today, after listening to that, you're saying, I keep going towards this pattern of sin. I keep falling into this. How do I get in spiritual mm -hmm. shape? You know, maybe cry out to God, asking God to do only what he can do in your heart, in your life. Perhaps through all of your trying and all your trusting in your own ability, you haven't really leaned into the ability of God. And God who spoke worlds into existence, he wants to make a difference in your life right here, right now, today. Let's go be a church podcast where we care for the broken, lift up the lost, and lose our lives for the gospel. I hope you enjoyed today.